Our scripture passage this morning is Psalm chapter 23. Hear now the word of the Lord, the clear, authoritative, and inerrant word of the Lord. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. We know, Lord, that it is by your word, through the work of the Spirit, That you are glorified, that we are edified. Lord, will you please encourage us this morning? Will you please refresh us this morning with your word that revives the soul? In Jesus' name, amen. If asked about the most well-known section of Scripture, if you surveyed people most likely they would say John 3.16. It's very well known. Churchmen know it. Football players know it. Everyone pretty much knows that passage. But the passage that I think runs a close second is our passage this morning, Psalm 23. It is no mystery why we read and memorize and sing and cherish this psalm. It is a beloved section of Scripture. It is a very comforting section of Scripture. And we have the pleasure of meditating upon its truths this morning. This psalm, as we see in the beginning, is a psalm of David. He wrote this psalm. There's no indication of any historical circumstance or situation that David was struggling with that caused the composition of this psalm. It's not like he was running away from his son, Absalom, as we saw a previous psalm. There's no historical situation that surrounds this. But that's how it should be, I think, anyways, because the Lord is our shepherd whenever we are and wherever we are, regardless of our circumstance. The Lord is our shepherd through it all. And David in this psalm uses two metaphors to refer to the Lord. First, he speaks of the Lord as a shepherd, and then he speaks of the Lord as his host. And so the first section, verses 1 through 4, David paints a touching picture of the Lord as his shepherd. He begins, the Lord is my shepherd. This one part of, of this one verse here, we could spend the entire morning just trying to plumb the depths of such a great sentence. The Lord is my shepherd. It's packed with significance, with meaning, with comfort, with grace, with strength. Who is this Lord 
that we read. Well, the scriptures say that the Lord is the eternal one, the one without beginning, the one without end. He is the great I am, the Alpha and Omega. He is the creator of heavens and earth. He is the one who got his hands dirty and made man from dust and breathed life into mankind and caused man to become an image bearer like God after his likeness. This Lord who is a shepherd is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings, the Lord of all nations, as we sang the King of glory. This Lord is the all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, the all-good God, the ever-present God. This Lord is the holy, the perfect, the righteous Redeemer of fallen humanity. He is the covenant-keeping, faithful, trustworthy, and unchangeable Sovereign. He is the merciful, gracious, loving, and kind Heavenly Father. And David says that this awesome, this all-glorious Lord is a shepherd. It seems to be a lowly identification for so high a God. How can the, the Eternal One be likened unto a dirty, stinky, messy shepherd? who deals with sheep all day. Well, the Lord is telling us a bit of his character when he says that he is a shepherd. And as you know, the imagery of shepherd runs throughout the scriptures, old and new. Goats would fend for themselves. They were independent animals, but sheep, not so much. They depended on their shepherds. They needed, for the very livelihood, for the very protection, for the very nourishment, they needed the aid of their shepherds, the guide of their shepherds. Sheep were high-maintenance animals. They needed this intimate and continual care. They had to be watered and fed every day. They had to be led from place to place. They had to be protected so they didn't wander off and it eaten by a wolf. And so the human shepherds, when they would travel from place to place, they would live with their sheep. In a similar way, God pitched his tent. He tabernacled among his people, first with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then as a picture of that dwelling, he had the tabernacle and then the temple and, of course, fully and finally in the incarnate word of God, Jesus Christ. Since these shepherds were often alone, it was just themselves and their sheep, they would sing songs to their sheep. They would talk to their sheep, kind of like we do with our pets. They would give their sheep names, just like we do with our animals. We don't, if we have a dog, for instance, say, hey dog, come on over here, unless we're trying to be ironic or humorous. Of course, that irony and that humor is lost on the canine. But we, we sing songs to them, perhaps. So we, we talk to them, oh, who's a good boy? And we, and we give them names. I had a cat named Bobby, and 
He was called Bobby, he was called Robert, Bob, Rupert, and even Thunder. <laughs> I don't know how these, his names came up, but it's just a, a terms of endearment, of affection. We love our pets, we love our animals, and the shepherds, they loved their sheep. They had great affection for their sheep. And these sheep would recognize their shepherd just by the mere voice. These sheep were prized as precious animals, and if need be, the shepherd, of course, would lay down his life for the sheep. He would lead his sheep. He would take them step by step to where they needed to go, and he would go in front of them, not behind them. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a popular yet mistaken view of an ancient Israelite shepherd in terms of how he relates to his sheep. I know I've heard this several times. Perhaps you've heard it as well. Have you heard the idea of the shepherd who breaks his wandering sheep's legs so as to, well, teach this sheep a, a lesson? This would be an act of caring discipline, of course. I know I've, I've heard that for years, but sorry. It's, it's a myth uh, to burst your bubble. Uh, it's not grounded in reality. There's really no evidence of such a dealing. This myth isn't even an old myth. It originated in 1955 in a book called What Jesus Said. And this myth was, well, repeated in a book for preachers called Encyclopedia of 7700 Illustrations. And so we know that this would preach. It'll preach, all right. You just picture it. You have the, the shepherd. He finally locates his sheep that had wandered off, and he gets to it. Oh, sheep, you've been a naughty sheep. I need to teach you a lesson. And so, I'm going to break your leg and snap. Breaks the sheep's leg and he says, from now on you're going to be with me. And as your leg heals, you'll learn to be right next to me. And learn my authority, my leading, my guiding. Oh, it'll preach all right. Because isn't that what God does? He disciplines us, doesn't he? Surely that's scriptural testimony. God, he disciplines us. God, as our Father does. But as the shepherd, that's not the picture we get. God doesn't do that. In fact, we see the opposite. Look at Luke 15 with me. This is a, a parable that I'm sure many of you are very familiar with. Jesus tells this parable in Luke 15, verses 3 through 6. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he breaks its sheep's leg. No, it's not what the scripture says. When he, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. This is a time of celebration, a time of joy. He leaves the 99 to go find that one, and he gets the whole community to come together. You guys, I found my sheep. Let's celebrate. This is a picture of the Lord as our shepherd. He doesn't maim the sheep. He rejoices over the sheep. In earthly 
shepherd was thoughtful, he was tender, he was gentle, he was strong, he was resourceful. And all that pictures a human shepherd, the ideal human shepherd, characterizes God. But to the infinite degree, God loves us. The Lord, as our shepherd, feeds us, waters us, guides us, watches over us, cares for us. He seeks after us. He rescues us, gathers us. He binds those who are crippled. He comforts the afflicted. He strengthens the weak. And he carries us, his little lambs, next to his beating breast. Such a beautiful picture of the Lord as shepherd. But if that's all we are told in this scripture about the Lord, that he is a shepherd, that does me no good. That does you no good. But that's not what David is saying. David is not saying the Lord is a shepherd. The language here is deeply personal. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd. He isn't just some shepherd of some strange sheep over there. Well, that's nice. It'd be great to have a shepherd over there like him. It's not what David is saying. He's saying the Lord is mine. He calls the Lord his own. He belongs to the Lord. The Lord belongs to David. He is my shepherd, David's saying. And not just he, he was, but he is my shepherd, and he will always be my shepherd. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never abandon me. I'm his precious sheep. And he loves me. And David is saying, this is who I am. I am a sheep of the good shepherd. And I'm proud to be a sheep. Beloved, if you trust in Christ, you are his, and he is yours. This is where you find your identity. This is where you find who you really are. This is where you find your dignity, your meaning, your worth. Not in what you have in your bank account, not in the type of job you have, not in how well you do in school or how incredibly well you do at work. That's not where you find your identity. That's not who you are. Because all those things will one day be taken away. But what cannot be taken away is this fact that, that the Lord is your shepherd, that you are his sheep. We have been joined to him as precious sheep. And so what is his now becomes ours by virtue of this union with the shepherd. So now we have this shepherd-sheep relationship. And because of this incredible relationship that we have, because of who the Lord is, and because he is our Lord, David says, because he is my Lord, I shall not want. I will not lack. I will not have need of anything. I will have all that I need as long as the Lord will have me here on earth. I will not lack. I will not need because the Lord, as my shepherd, cares for my body. He cares for my soul. He cares for my righteousness, and he cares for my preservation, which we see in the next few verses. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The Lord, your shepherd, feeds you and waters you. He cares for your body. Perhaps 
You've heard the phrase, I am a soul, but I have a body. That's falsely attributed to C.S. Lewis in some, some way to minimize or diminish the value of our bodies. Somehow the soul is superior to the body, which is not what the scripture says. You are incomplete without your body. Paul himself would say that as he goes through with the Lord, as he awaits Christ's second coming, he will be naked. He won't be fully glorified because that glorification requires the resurrection of his body, the reunion of soul and body. The Lord cares not just for the soul, but he cares for your body, he cares for your physical, bodily needs and, and desires and wants. He cares for your body. My shepherd is the one who fed the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, teaching them to daily depend on him for their physical sustenance. My shepherd is the one who caused a famine in the land in the days of Elijah, yet miraculously provided for his sheep by sending him to the brook Kareth for water and by sending ravens to him to feed him. My shepherd is the bread of heaven, and he nourishes me, and he nourishes you. Therefore, we can pray with confidence that our shepherd will give us our daily bread, and that we can trust in him that he will do so. My shepherd takes me to lush and verdant pastures, and he bids me to eat and drink. And so we see in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus is not discounting that we have real needs of food and drink and clothing. He goes on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They're not working for this stuff. They're mooching off of God. It's creation. But then he says, are you not of more value than they? Of course you are. Because unlike them, you are made in the image of God. And so if he cares for these birds, he's going to care for you. As long as he would have you here on this earth, he cares for your bodily needs. The Lord, as shepherd, cares for my body. David goes on in verse 3. He cares not just for my body, but for my soul. He restores my soul. Likewise, the Lord cares for your soul. He refreshes your soul. He, He says to you, come unto me, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden. Come. And so you come. Because you are his sheep, you come. He has given you eyes. He's opened your eyes to see. He has opened your ears to hear. He has cleansed the palate of your tongue to taste that the Lord is good. And so you come, and he gives you life and strength. He changes you by his spirit. He is the lover of your soul. You are the apple of his eye. And he cares for you. He cares for your life. 
And he shows this care by giving you the Lord's Day. One day out of seven that you can come here, sing his praises, be refreshed by the hearing of the word of God. You could come and commune with one another. Pray with one another. He gives you his spirit to quicken your souls, to cause new life to begin in your souls. He gives you his word, which the psalm says revives the soul. He gives you the sacraments. He gives you baptism to point to the cleansing nature of his word, to cleanse your soul, to refresh, renew your soul. He gives you the Lord's Supper to show you, to feed upon him by faith that you would be nourished, your soul would be nourished. The Lord has great interest in the care of your soul, just like he does in the care of your body. As David continues, he says that the Lord cares for my righteousness. Verse 3, he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. My shepherd is the king of righteousness. And because I belong to the king, he naturally cares for my righteousness. He reveals to me his word. He teaches me his righteous paths. He gives me not only the desire but also the ability to walk on paths of righteousness, that we might bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We are not without direction. We are not shepherdless sheep. We have a shepherd. We have a guide. And he does all this for his name's sake, we're told. For a human shepherd to be of good repute, he had to know where he was going. He had to know the lay of the land. He had to know where not to go, where to go. He had to know where enemies were. A directionless shepherd is useless to his sheep. But the shepherd who knows every nook and cranny of the landscape is entirely useful and helpful to his sheep. And likewise, if God doesn't look out for the interests of his sheep, if he doesn't direct them the way that they need to go, then what we see that's online here is his namesake. His glory is on the line. His reputation is on the line. He will be considered an inept, a a foolish shepherd. Ah, the Lord will not have that. The Lord cares for his glory. As Matt Chandler has said from time to time, God is for God. God does whatever he does most fundamentally for his own glory. Not for you or for me. Oh, certainly he does through his providential care guide us and and give us blessings and, and works in our lives, certainly. And we receive blessing upon blessing from our Lord, but he does that ultimately for his own glory. He knows that he will get more glory. We will magnify his name all the more if he finishes the work that he began in you. And so he will finish that work. He will guide you on righteous paths for his name's sake. The Lord also cares for 
my preservation. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your shepherd oversees your protection. He cares to preserve you in your trials. Uh, about 10 months ago, um, I'm, I'm a teacher, and I'm at work. It's like 10.30 or so in the morning, and uh, we have some assembly going on in the gym. And uh, I, get this fo- I get this call. My phone's always on silent or vibrate, but uh, I just happen to look at it, and I see that my wife is calling me. What is she doing calling me? She knows I'm at work. It's 10.30. What's the big deal, right? And I was going to just not answer it. Um, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't not answer it. <laughs> so I get away from the sea of noise out of the gym. And, hey, what's up, honey? You know, what's going on? You know, I'm working. She's like, uh, everything, everything is all right. Which, of course, you don't want to hear um, <laughs> when conversation begins that way. Um, but I was just involved in an accident, uh, and uh, I'm going to be taken to the hospital. I'm like, okay, uh, where are you? And thankfully, she was only uh, just a few minutes away um, where we live. And she and our, at that time, just a little over one-year-old girl, Karis, were in the car and were involved in a pretty bad accident, totaled the car. Um, and I just, I don't know what's going on in my mind. It's just like, what's going on over there? I, I don't know, but I just got to run. So I run to the office to tell the office administrator, my wife is just involved in an accident. I got to go. It's like, okay, go, go, go. I run and I just, I don't know, go really, really, really fast. Um, just praying, Lord, you know, I don't know what to expect. Um, I get there and I just, I turn the corner where I see the ambulance. Uh, I see an ambulance to see, um, a fire truck, I believe it was, um, and and I just like just burst in tears. I don't know what's going on. I get out of the car and I see my wife is on this stretcher, and she she later didn't even know that I was there. Um, they just immediately just took her, um, just crying, seeing my loved wife I, in great pain. Ended up with broken bones, um, and I look over and I, I see this fireman holding my little Care Bear, little Karis, just uh, not a scratch on this little girl. Um, praise the Lord. Um, and just, I had, I was preparing to preach Psalm 23 just a, a week after this accident had taken place. And so, the Lord really was impressing upon my soul the need to know that the Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord is Elizabeth's shepherd. The Lord is my little Karis's shepherd. And he would be our shepherd even if things hadn't turned out the way they did. Even if things weren't, weren't just a few broken bones. But if things ended more drastically with their deaths, that, that, that would be a harder truth to swallow, but he would still be our shepherd. Oh. He cares 
to preserve us. He cares to show us that he is our shepherd. So you will have trials of various kinds. You can bank on it. You will. God will lead you. God will lead you. His sheep through dark ravines where enemies lurk in shadows and wait to shed blood. He will lead you. Life will not always be green pastures for you. But you can trust that you have no reason to fear because the Lord is with you. He goes before you. He is at your side. He's in front of you. He's behind you. He doesn't say, okay, sheep, here's the valley of the shadow of death. Go on through. Pats you on the sheep bottom and says, I'll meet you on the side. You got this, champion. He doesn't do that. That's not what the Lord does. He says, I am right with you. He is the omnipresent shepherd. Yes, this is a trial. Yes, it's going to be awful. It's going to be challenging. It's going to hurt. Yes, this really is affliction. Yes, you really are suffering. Yes, this really does seem like hell on earth. But I'm right with you. Every step of the way. And I'm guiding this. I'm, I'm all powerful. And I'm all knowing. Nothing has, has lost my attention. I, I have, I know everything. I know where I'm taking you through this. So trust me. The rod and the staff of the fully capable and entirely willing shepherd will calm the nerves of the sheep, will assure us of his presence. And so your shepherd will drive away human enemies. He'll drive away the sin from your own heart. He'll drive away the attacks of the world. He'll drive away the attacks of the enemy. And so you can persevere through your trial. You can be stable because your shepherd is the solid rock on which you stand. That's the Lord as our shepherd. David finishes the psalm by switching metaphors, saying that the Lord is his host. He says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We see here that a table is being prepared before David in the presence of his enemies. This is similar to the idea of a homeless man being suddenly brought into a house of riches and being told, Go on upstairs, take a nice long, hot shower, or cold if it's, you know, Tucson in the summer. Be refreshed. When you get out of the shower, pick from any of the clothing you want, the most comfortable cotton you could ever wear. When you're ready, you're clothed, come on down. A dinner will be ready for you. You can eat and drink to your heart's content. Afterwards, grab a book, plop on the couch, watch some Netflix then go on upstairs, go to sleep on the most comfortable bed you've ever laid eyes on. And in the morning, you don't have to leave. You can stay. Day after day. David's enemies are in his presence as a way of showing David that he, David, is being vindicated. His enemies are taken captive by this all-powerful arm of the Lord. And this banquet is known to all of David's naysayers, to all of his doubters, to all those who called him a fool for trusting in the Lord during his affliction. 
Have you been called a fool for trusting in the Lord during your great trials? Or just trusting in Him generally? I mean, how can you believe in a God that you've never seen? How can you believe in His Word where there are talking serpents and donkeys and there's a, a, a sun gets, stands still for, for some time? Or there's a resurrection? How can you believe these things? You're such a fool. Don't you see that God's not with you in this trial, in this cancer, in this affliction, in this loss of job? If you were, He would give you all these blessings. He'd give you all that you want. And so we're called a fool. Likewise, one day we too will be vindicated. The Lord will clear us of all wrong, and He will show our enemies that we were right to trust in the Lord, and they will be without excuse. Heads are being anointed here, pointing to blessings, provision, delights, being given a royal status. This, too, is our identity. To mix metaphors, we are not just sheep, but we are royal sheep. We are little majestic sheep. This is who we are. But who prepares this table? Who anoints this head with oil? Who fills our cups past the brim? It's God. Remarkably, it is God, the Lord, the King, who is serving us, His royal guests. It's very humbling. What is remarkable also is the truth expressed in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's covenant faithfulness, His pure goodness, His mercy, His love will follow you all the days of your lives. Not just today, not just tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, for however long you are alive. This word follow might be misunderstood. It is not a picture of, say, ducklings following their mama duck or students following calmly and quietly their teacher in a line. It's not the picture of follow that we have here in Scripture. This word expresses a picture of a pursuit. This word is used most often to refer to an enemy pursuing his most hated object, his enemy. With all the vim and vigor of his being, with all of his passion and strength and and might and resources, without slumbering, without stopping to eat, he is going to get that object to kill him. That's what this picture is. But in reverse, God is hotly pursuing us by grace. This is God's gracious pursuit. He had to pursue me. Otherwise, I'm a goner. He had to pursue you. Otherwise, you are without hope. Praise the Lord for His pursuit of mercy, of goodness, of covenant faithfulness. And because of God's relentless pursuit of us, His sheep, His, His royal guests, His children, we have the unthinkable blessing of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. He's not going to kick His royal guests out. We get to stay forever. And we just get a foretaste of that here every Lord's Day. When we come together, sing His praises, hear His word, 
we get just a taste of what it'll be like, but more fully and more perfectly, more gloriously, when we get to dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. All these blessings that we have seen in these verses can come upon us only because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what he has done. In fact, the Lord as shepherd and Lord as host is fulfilled perfectly and most vividly in Jesus Christ. Just as a shepherd would live with his sheep, Christ tabernacled among his own. The word of God become flesh. Just as a shepherd would lead his sheep to nourish them, Christ nourishes you and me by feeding us his word, by feeding us by faith the Lord's Supper. Just as a shepherd would give his sheep rest, the Lord arose on a Sunday, giving our bodies rest, giving our souls rest from our works, that we might rest in his finished and perfect work of life and death and resurrection. Just as a shepherd would lead his sheep, our shepherd Messiah has gone before us, has given us his word, has given us his spirit to guide us on paths of righteousness, assuring us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be with us to the end of the age, guiding us. Just as a shepherd would give up his life to defend his precious lambs, his undeserving lambs, Jesus gave up his life for his sheep, that we might be with him. Just as the host would serve his guests, Jesus, the King of kings, became a lowly servant, washed his disciples' feet, and humbled himself, that we, his guests, might be exalted, lifted up with him, and one day dine with him forevermore. Indeed, our host is preparing a place for us even now, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.